please turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And our focus this evening is going to be verses 5 through 8. We're going to go ahead and read verses 5 through 11 to get some of the context. There is uh, much truth and beauty packed into these verses. Amazing truth about who Christ is and what He did for His people. Uh, There's so much truth that we've broken up these verses into several sermons, so uh, we're just focusing on uh, 5 through 8. Next week, there won't be a sermon in the evening. We'll have our prayer time. And so because of that, and because 9 through 11 so closely follows, we're going to study verses 9 through 11 in our morning sermon. That'll be the text for our morning sermon next week so that we don't have to wait two weeks to see the exaltation of Christ after we look at the humiliation of Christ here in our text this evening. So please turn your attention now to God's Word. Philippians chapter 2. We'll be reading verses 5 through 11, but our focus tonight will be 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Please pray with me as we turn to meditate upon these words. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these precious truths of who Christ is, of who our Savior is and what he has done for us. May we hold these truths to be precious. May we uh, rightly understand them by your spirit. May they humble us as we look to the humility of your son. We pray these things by your spirit in his name. Amen. Philippians chapter 2. You remember last week we we had a call to humility. Uh, Really, Paul is concerned with humility and and here he roots that call in deep theological truths. Uh, We've seen as he's addressing some disunity there in the church, he's calling for unity through humility. And as he he does that and he roots these things, uh, first he says... Um, have this mind yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Uh, he doesn't say, um, get this mind uh, from Christ somehow. He doesn't say, go out and try to find it. He doesn't say, uh, find this attitude in yourself. He says, it is yours. You have this. You have this mind in Christ. And so he says, have this mindset in Christ. Christ humbled Himself. 
in His conception, in His birth, in His life, and in His death. And all of that is given to us. We have that mindset in our union with Him. It's yours. So Paul says, have the mind which is yours. Develop this mindset in your fellowship as the church. As you seek unity with one another, have the mindset that is yours in Christ. Think consistently with the mindset you have in Christ. Don't think contrary to what has been given you in Christ. Use it. Have it. Develop it. And he roots that, that, that call, that imperative, in these amazing Christological truths. Who is Christ and what did He do? Uh, first, we see who He is. Uh, who He eternally is. As we look to this, we see in verse 6, uh, something of the, the pre-existent Christ. Uh, the pre-incarnate Christ. The eternal Christ. He was in the form of God. The very nature of God. Equal with God. But He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. A thing to be taken advantage of. Uh, the, the Greek there has some roots in, in um, the word for robbing. Uh, for taking. A greedy taking. His equality with God wasn't something that He saw to be selfishly grasped at. It wasn't for personal gain. And so He emptied Himself we, we see language in Scripture of His glory being veiled. And He was humbled. As God, He was humbled. Not through subtraction. We don't want to mistake that, that emptying of self to think that somehow He lost His divinity. He was humbled Himself through addition by becoming man. That was the emptying of Himself. He became like us. That humility that humbled Him, that emptied Him. His glory was veiled for a time. He became man. But He remained Emmanuel. God with us. Fully God. Fully man. He became what He was not while remaining what He always was to become the mediator for those who were once His enemies. He became what He was not while remaining what He always was. And just a quick note before we get too deep here on, on some of the terminology. Some have made a great deal about that use of, of form. Uh, the form of God and the form of a servant. Uh, Paul's use there, is, it's not as if to say it's, it's um, uh, the mere uh, appearance of God or that He's kind of like God. Some think that that's why Paul uses that word form. Uh, there's error there when we think that that form doesn't mean full divinity. Uh, Paul's usage is clear. Uh, the commentator Gordon Fee puts it well in that this the use of this word form denotes those characteristics and qualities essential to a thing. Characteristics and qualities essential to it. We, we use the word nature. Very similarly, uh, what is human nature? What is divine nature? It's those characteristics and qualities that are essential to something. The form of God means He was God. It's a, he, he possessed all the characters and qualities that are unique only to God. 
It's essential to His nature. And while remaining fully God, He took on the form of a slave. He took on human flesh. He became man. Fully man. This role of Christ's becoming man, that second person of the Trinity, in doing that, He displayed to the world the greatest act of humility ever known. The Almighty God took on flesh, subjected Himself to suffering. This is humility. True and great humility. It is because He became man and He took on our nature that now we who who are human can have what He accomplished. We can have the mindset of humility. A man had the mindset of humility greater than any other. And that man is Christ. He can apply His work to us as humans because He became human. He became human to make fallen humans more human. Our humanity was broken, perverted, twisted, corrupted by the fall. And He became man to make us like we were made to be. To be human as we were created to be. And what is good humanity? What is humanity according to God's intentions as we were made to be? It is humble and it is obedient. And Christ did that perfectly. You have the mind of humility because of Christ's humiliation. Church, Fresno RPC, you have the mind of humility because of Christ's humiliation. That is our main point tonight. And first, we see the call to be humbled by Christ's humiliation. What is this humiliation of Christ? Uh, The first thing we might think of is the cross. And Paul goes there. He he brings us there. But that's not all that the humiliation uh, entailed. Uh, Christ was humbled in, in His conception, in His birth, in His life, in His ministry, and in His death. And after His death, until His resurrection. The period of His humiliation was from incarnation to burial, to to right until resurrection. And then He was exalted. And that's where we'll go, Lord willing, next week. In verses 5-7, through we see Christ's humble mindset as God. The fully God, divine nature. uh, and, And Paul brings us there first. As God, in the form of God, He humbled Himself. Just as Christ came to make us more human as, as, as man, He also came to reveal God. And Gordon Fee says, here is the epitome, epitome of God-likeness. The pre-existent Christ was not grasping and selfish. He was not a grasping and selfish being, but one whose love for others found its expression in pouring Himself out and taking on the role of a slave. That revealed something about God to us. He is caring. He cares for creation. He cares for others. He is relational. In verse 8, we see His humility as man. 
being found in human form, as he became man, as he took on human nature, what was uh, his character as man? Uh, He didn't come, as some might have expected, as this triumphant king. But he was born in a lowly state. He was born in a manger. And he subjected himself to suffering. He became obedient, humbled himself in obedience to the Father. And we'll consider that in our second point this evening. When we consider his humiliation, don't just think of the cross. It was his whole life. There's Scripture that that attests to this. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, among sinners. The Word of God took on flesh. Galatians 4.4 When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. He subjected Himself to the law. He, he, He took on the flesh of a woman, of a humanity. And the lawgiver became subject to the law. The Word of God came under the Word of God as man. 2 Corinthians 8.9 Though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. Hebrews 2.18 For because He Himself has suffered when tempted, He is able to help those who are being tempted. In Isaiah 53, as we looked at this morning, He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. That is humiliation. His life on earth wasn't the life of an exalted king. Even in his humanity, he had a hard life as man. Sinclair Ferguson draws our attention to to parallels with this passage in Philippians 2 with John's account of the washing of the disciples' feet in John 13 and shows the humility of Christ in His ministry. Uh, In John 13, we see, uh, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hand, uh, very similar to Paul saying, uh, equality with God, rose from the supper, and He laid aside His outer garments. He made Himself nothing. And taking a towel, tied it around His waist, and began to wash the disciples' feet. In Philippians 2, taking the form of a servant, he humbled himself even to death on a cross. And in response to that, in in response to washing the disciples' feet, uh, we see in John 13, it says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. And you can hear Paul Echoing that, have this mindset which is yours in Christ. Christ did it. He humbled Himself. Church, be humble. Let each of us look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. We have a humble Savior. A humble King. We are united, bound in relationship with God who is humble. This calls us, drives us, demands humility. Church, be humble. 
So there's humiliation in life from the moment of the incarnation throughout His ministry, but also humiliation in death. We look to uh, the, the moments leading up to His death. And there was an anticipation of exaltation, but there was also great humility. He was rejected by His disciples. He was hated by the world, despised by the Jews. He experienced the agony of being beaten and tormented and persecuted. Nails and spears piercing His flesh. A crown of thorns placed upon His head. Hung on a cross, suffocating the breath of Christ stamped out. He faced the terrible enemy of death itself and the powers of darkness. That is a great humility. And that isn't even the worst of His humility. In the midst of that, by doing that, He willingly gave up His Spirit and He received and bore the mighty, infinite wrath of God. He drank the cup of wrath to the dregs for every one of His people. For all of the sins of His people, He bore it all. The the perfect unity and harmony of the Godhead in some amazing and mysterious sense was turned against itself. The perfect Son faced in full the wrath of the glorious and almighty God. As He experienced that, He felt as if He was being forsaken by His Father. And He yielded up His Spirit. And He obeyed even to that point. And the obedience of Christ is precious to to us in that. And we're going to get there. But the obedience of Christ shows us that even in the midst of that, even in receiving the wrath of God, there was harmony and unity in the Trinity. And and Psalm 22 reminds us that even though He felt as if the Father was turning His face away, He did not turn His face away. But He humbled Himself. And His obedience required that humility. And why did He do all of that? Why did He humble Himself? Well, it's it's because He was obedient. And we ought to be humbled by the obedience of Christ. Be humbled by the obedience of Christ. In the Incarnation, He willingly took on the form of a slave. He humbled Himself to a position of obedience. He obeyed as man was meant to obey. Christ became man and He came to take our place. And to do that, He had to humble Himself. He had to succeed where Adam failed. As Paul says in Romans 5, for as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. As by the disobedience of Adam, many are made unrighteous, so by the obedience of Christ, many are made righteous. Where Adam grasped for equality with God, Jesus sought humility. 
and obedience to God. Where Adam refused to serve God, Christ made Himself a slave. Where Adam's disobedience brought death, Christ's obedience, or, sorry, where Adam's disobedience brought death, Christ's obedience led to His own death that led to life for others. Christ's obedience brings righteousness and life. Christ undid the disobedience of Adam. As we saw this morning, He came to reverse the curse. He came to make it right. He came to restore a people to their Father in Heaven. As man, He was obedient unto death. The obedience of Christ. In John 14.31, He says, I do as the Father has commanded Me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Why did Christ humble Himself? It's because He loves the Father. And He did everything that the Father asked and He did it willingly. Warfield shows us that in John 14, we're seeing that his, mo- his motive for His entire saving work is love for the Father. Christ loves the Father. And He loved the Father as man, as we are meant to love the Father. Perfect humanity loves God. And obedience flows from that love. Why did Christ do what He did? We can say rightly that He did it because He loves us. But there's a great and amazing foundation, an eternal foundation for the love that we have from God. And it's the love between the persons of the Trinity. That obedient love was costly. In His humiliation, His human nature wished that there would be another way. As He prayed to the Father, let this cup pass. Is there any other way? But He also prayed, Your will be done. Your will be done. Not My will, but Yours. He obeyed the Father because of His love for the Father. That ought to give you great hope and joy. What does that tell us about our redemption? Our redemption was the result of the perfect love of the Son for the Father. It tells us that the triune God loves us. That the, 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 the manifestation, the, the, the outcome of the Son's love for the Father was a love for us. It was a love for you. That is why Christ humbled Himself. He pursues His children. He lifts them up. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purposes of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. 
This was the plan. Before the foundations of the world were laid, He predestined you to be His sons. And Christ accomplished that plan of redemption between the Trinity. The eternal plan for salvation by His humility. Why did Christ humble Himself? Why did He go through such humiliation? He loved the Father. And His Father required Him to love you. He did it for you. He descended that we may ascend. And so, be humble. Church, look what your Savior did for you. Be humble. Let's pray to that end. Father in Heaven, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the humility of our Savior and His love for us and His faithfulness to You as man. We thank You that He reigns now, advocating for us even now that He has been exalted as King and He is the God-Man reigning on high. We thank You for the hope that this brings to us as we continue to suffer and continue to walk in the footsteps of our humble Savior. We thank You that we have a hope of glory. Father, help us to be humble as our Savior was humble. We thank You that His humility has accomplished salvation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.